The following message is the fourth sermon preached in the sermon series, Becoming Hungry, 40 Days of Lent, delivered at Mount Hope Church on March 14, 2021, titled 40 Nights, The Nighttime of the Soul is at Stake, and Wherever Darkness Is, So Also Is Sin and Evil. What are we to do to overcome the night? Cling to light. Let Jesus and His law shatter the wicked of the dark and lay claim to your soul, whereby we are informed and enlightened. May author and writer Matthew Pope's homily bring knowledge and joy for the Lord as passing through these Lenten days and living in the resurrection life after Easter. And now, here is Matthew Pope. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12, 32. The final reward of the church is the kingdom of heaven, and our life shall yield increase if we are faithful. The sermon message delivered at Mount Hope Church in Salisbury, North Carolina, to give you the kingdom, speaks Jesus' words to Christians, declaring to them the request of Christ to become servants and be prepared for the Son of God's second coming. Keep the second and the third watch. Keep the faith. And when our groomsmen shall come, he shall find those blessed servants he has so required to see, and we shall receive. To give you the kingdom, preached by author and writer Matthew Pope, and now his latest publication. Available for purchase on Amazon Kindle. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed in a moment. Hello and welcome to In a Moment. This is the fourth message, the fourth sermon in the sermon series, Becoming Hungry, 40 Days of Lent. And although we've passed the resurrection and passed the season of Lent and entered into the post-Easter season, this is still a relevant topic. This is something I've been catching up on as far as recording sermons is concerned. And this is something that Christianity should still be hearing throughout the year. It's as relevant as Christ's death and burial. It's something that we preach daily and annually. Because Christ is always relevant. It's always something that we must keep at the forefront of our mind. And in this segment, in this series and sermon, we're going to see the, the law of God. We're going to see Christ as the centerpiece for all that we do in the sense that although darkness has come our way during Lent, and although Lent may have been a time of struggle for you, a season of wrestling with the flesh and the devil, Christ stands at the victory. Christ stands on Mount Calvary. Christ stands as the victor. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has defeated Satan. He even did so in dying. So before we begin, I'd like to offer a prayer for those listening and for our message. So let's go to the Lord. Father God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your word that is powerful and potent and strong. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for being the word incarnate. Bless this message. Bless this time. Bless this season that we're in as the church and as the individual members of the body of Christ. God, bless the fellowship of your presence and the spirit of your grace and goodwill. Father, bless us to see revelation and wisdom, God, to know your word intimately and to know you better. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wanted to begin by saying this is basically titled 40 Nights. And the idea, since I preached this originally at Mount Hope Church in Salisbury, North Carolina, um, on March 14th, 2021, which seems to be a lifetime ago, but this was a Sunday night service that, that I preached and presided over. 40 Nights is a potent and realistic way of looking at our spiritual life. In other words, the nighttime of the soul is always about. And if we realize, when we think about night, we think about things that happen at night, terrible things. Um, we think about curfews, because we're usually, by our parents or a guardian, we're usually told to never, to never go out at night, to not sneak out at night, um, that, that things happen, people disappear at night, crime happens at night. Um, shady characters and strangers we run into usually occurs at night. Night is also the time of temptation. Night in the sense of an absence of light, darkness, shadowy. Um, so these are the things that conjure the idea of where this text is, is pushing us through. When we're talking about the wilderness and we're talking about Lent, Jesus was in the nighttime of the soul. He was in the nighttime of his spiritual state. The wilderness was already vacant and dry, uh, and where life could not grow. But then there's a nighttime. There's an absence of light. Now, Christ is the light, and Jesus shines as the light and life of men. But even he had to endure some darkness in order to be that beacon on a hill, which he would be at Calvary, even in death and dying. He is a pinnacle onto which every eye is affixed and gazed, whether in mockery or in affirmation. So night is something that is potent uh, in terms of some symbolism and in terms of uh, spiritual warfare, because Satan is going to bring in darkness. He is the Lord of darkness. And that's something that he is going to combat light with. And see, light confuses darkness. Light drags things of darkness into its spotlight and burns it. It consumes it because God is a consuming fire. Night opposes that. So as we begin, we're going to be in Exodus 34, 27 through 35. That is where we're going to talk about the connection here that I want to present to you today uh, in terms of light and darkness and in terms of being in that nighttime part of the soul, which happens to every Christian, by the way. Every Christian goes through a time of, of lightlessness where we struggle in the dark and where morning comes. Yes, in the morning, joy cometh, as Jeremiah writes, or as Lamentations writes. Sorry, excuse me, but Jeremiah was writing Lamentations. Um, but night will affect us in some way or another. Physically, we have night. We have the sun that goes down and the moon comes up. And sometimes the moon gives her light. Sometimes she doesn't. Um, some nights are darker than others. And spiritually speaking, that is very true. Some nights are, are harder than others to get through. Some nights we have... Uh, isolation and some nights we have mourning and bereavement um, and then there's guilt and there's sin and consequence and all those things occur usually in the nighttime but by the day we can think clearer at night we're tired we're sleepy we're half awake it's hard to think and it's hard to concentrate but when the day comes and the sun rises the day star in our hearts as Peter writes then we can see clearly there's truth there's lucidness um, things become transfixed by light and by the sun's rays and beams. So all those things apply. So let us begin. Lent and the law. This is Exodus, again, 34, 27 through 35. And, and the word says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. 
And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tablets or tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. He came down from the mount that Moses was not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him or near him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai, until Moses had been had done speak as Moses had finished speaking with them. I'm sorry, excuse me. He put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until they came out. And he came out and spoke unto the children of Israel, that which was commanded by God. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, there's a few things going on. One is that God has revealed himself to Moses, and so the light that is on Moses' face where he is shown, in other words, where it says shown, and these are King James terminology, so I apologize for stumbling through that. Um, trying to convey that is sometimes hard. It's it's a transliteration in text. In other words, the King James is telling us by speaking in terminology certain things, and it's harder to modernize that for those listening. But the light that is on Moses' face is the light of God. Now, God is holy and pure, so all, all that he is is light. And so he's shining on Moses' face. Moses is clearly aged. Moses is clearly been lit up in, in certain uncertain terms or certain terms. And so they notice that when he comes off the mountain, when he comes off Sinai with the tables of the commandments of the Lord, they see something has changed in him. Um, and that's because God has revealed himself fully to Moses and Moses is human. Um, and another part of the, of the text, it's going to say that, you know, Moses has to cover himself because of God revealed himself totally in Moses's face. In other words, if he was just face to face with God, he would be consumed because the purity and the holiness of God is something that man cannot look on with naked eyes. Um, this is why we look on Christ. This is why we have a mediator. But in this dynamic, Jesus and Moses again are going to represent two covenants. And this is something that I wanted to make as a point is that you're going to see just like the message before this about Noah and Christ is two covenants. There's covenant of relationships. And so, of course, you have the Mosaic Covenant, and that's something that Moses was an uh, intermediary to the Jewish people, and so Jesus would become our mediator of all creation, or mediator of all the world. Um, so there's a connection there, Old Testament, New Testament. An Old Testament prefiguration, which is Moses and his law, comes Christ and his law in the New Testament. So you have this comparison. But I'm going to take it a step further and talk about 40 nights. Now, my first point here is that the dark of night will arrive at your house. And I think I made this in the prelude, but the point still remains the same, is that night will come to you in some way or another. Physically, of course, night definitely comes. But in the spiritual realm, you will have a point of contact with the devil in the sense of temptation, pressure, uh, anxiety, some kind of thing Satan will inflict upon you, and it will be your nighttime of the soul. Now, it may happen several times in this lifetime as a Christian. Um, we always have bad nights, rough nights, nightmares, bad dreams, those kinds of things. We didn't sleep well. Um, there are a lot of afflictions of the human person. But the nighttime of the soul is something that kind of stands out. It's something where you didn't think you were going to get through, and you did. 
um, God carried you through because he's faithful and just. But at the same time, it was something that taught you many, many things. Uh, it's a spiritual battle that you remembered. And so the nighttime of the soul for Christ, again, is the wilderness and it's something that he's going to remember. But I'm going to attribute this to Moses' time on the mountain because he spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain. And think about this. He was all alone. He was the only one bearing the weight of the Jewish people's sins and behaviors uh, before God. There was nobody else that shared in that mediator power. So Moses was quite alone sometimes. Now he's bearing, and, and keep in mind, this is a symbolic and uh, archetypal kind of thing because Jesus bears all the weight and the sin on his shoulders before God every day, and he did it on the cross. So Moses was doing what Jesus would eventually do for, of course, mankind. Moses was doing that for the Jewish people. But there's that spiritual and scriptural connection there. Um, so one thing we have to keep in mind, there's two standards to this theology. One is that we can't escape God's all-seeing eye. He knows everything that we do. So he knows that you're going through a nighttime of the soul, and he knows that you're going to endure if you trust in him. Now, in saying that, God saw Christ die, and he allowed that. He permitted that, because that was something that had to happen. That was a covenant that was written. And in the same way, Moses is going to go and get these commandments. He's going to go, and there's going to be broken tablets, so he's going to go up again and get these commandments again for the people. He's going to eventually come down and see them uh, a-whoring after other gods and, and worshiping idols. And he's going to go again and again on his face before God and plead for forgiveness. Now, that's something that we have to do. And then there's an example that Moses is laying down. Is there's also an example that Jesus is laying down there. There's an example of forgiveness. We have to constantly beseech the Lord for forgiveness. Um, one of the things that keeps us and gets us through the night of the soul, and especially during Lent, because Lent is that nighttime of the soul in 40 days. You know, it's it's struggle. Uh, it's it's a, a clamoring voice of, of anxiety and worry. Um, it's every type of thing that you don't want to go through, but yeah, you have to, because in order to get to, to Calvary and to Easter, we have to lay down our lives. We have to self-sacrifice, and that's what Lent is. Um, but in order to do that, we need to go through praying, beseeching, supplicating. In other words, laying down our, our worries and sorrows, uh, giving oblation, and that is that is giving gifts. So we give gifts of praise and thanksgiving. We give gifts of ourselves before God. These things carry us through the nighttime. Those are the shimmers of day that pierce through the night, ultimately. Uh, the second standard is that dark will reign in the vacancy of light. Now, this is true. Where there's not light, there's dark. That's why hell is considered in some ways to be so dark, although we think about fiery uh, imagery there, that would be light. But hell is a, is a vast darkness because there's an absence of God. In other words, there is no presence of good. So it's all evil. And in the same way, if evil is dark, then there is no presence of light. So we think about the universe, absence of light. We think how dark that would be. A black hole, for instance, is an absence of light, um, a vacuum of matter. So those things we have to keep in mind, because whatever you do in the dark, when there's a vacancy of light, when there's a vacancy of the conscience, when there's a vacancy of a relationship with Christ, when there's a vacancy of good or morality then it's pure evil. And that stuff consumes us. That stuff is what Satan fosters in our lives to destroy us. Uh, and it, it will destroy us. Inevitably, we will we will be destroyed from that, from that dark. But there is an enlightenment coming. There is a light that shines that gets us through. Moving on to point two, is the law enlightened? So my second point is that the dark of humanity can be transformed by the law of God. Now, Christ is the law. 
Now we have to realize, and I'm going to go back to the Ten Commandments here in the Exodus 20 passage, but I'm going to say this for short, is that Jesus is the law. He's the Word incarnate. He's also the law of God incarnate. Now he's the law of God incarnate with justice and clemency because Jesus goes before us and presents the case of our sin before God. And God in his mercy is moved by Christ because as Christ, Christ is his only son and Christ gave his life. He's a propitiation. Um, so Jesus is the law. But before him, in Moses' time, in the Mosaic Covenant, there was the law of God that God gave in the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to read these. It's Exodus 21 through 17. And the word says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the Lord, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. No manservant, maidservant, or cattle, or stranger that is within thy gates should do work. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He also rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house, nor thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, or anything else that is thy neighbor's. That, in a quick way, I apologize for the quickness, that is the Ten Commandments. These are the things that God intended for the Jewish people to live by. In other words, there was a law put in place, just like the very Ten Commandments we know today, the very same ones that, that I just read, the ones we practice in Sunday school and, and live by and have hanging on our walls. That is a great thing. We should continue that. These are the things we live by. In the same way, the Jewish people lived by the commandments of God. These were the commandments that were handed down, hallowed and sanctified, and those were the ones that were followed. Oftentimes, they were the ones that they failed the most. Um, but there are many other precepts and statutes that the, God, that, that the Lord will give, uh, specifically in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, Exodus, and those things. But these are the main ones. These are the commandments. And so when Christ comes to Peter in the New Testament and says, Keep my commandments when he comes to John, when he comes to all of them and says, keep my commandments, if you love me, you'll do that. You'll do those very things. You'll keep those commandments that I say. I can't help but to think he's, he's remembering the Old Testament law. Now he's saying, and he goes further in the Sermon on the Mount about certain things that the law says in the Ten Commandments and that they should go a little further because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. But nevertheless, he's always drawing back to the Ten Commandments because he loves the Father. Him and the Father are one, and so he's always going to go back to what the Father says. And the Ten Commandments are his final word. The third point is night will die and will be no more, but Christ is forever. And this is the law reigning. So in the end here, even though you endure night, even though the nighttime will come, Christ is the day star. But the answer to being enlightened is holding to the commandments and to the law. So when you're in the nighttime of the soul, when you're a Christian or somebody struggling to be a Christian, hold on to the law of God. Hold on to the Ten Commandments. Remember them. Find them. Sanctify yourself with them. Turn away from the evil. Eschew evil and flee to light. Because the, the transparency, the light, 
is Christ. But in order to get there, you have to go to the commandments. You have to remember who God is. You have to believe in God. You have to believe in a moral creator, and not just some indifferent creator, but the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. You have to believe God. And from there, you have to believe in God his Son and God his Spirit. And when you believe in the commandments, it transforms you from darkness to light because it's belief. It's acceptance of Christ. It's acceptance of salvation. And so the nighttime of the soul, for the Christian, we just need to remember the commandments. We need to remember the conscience behind them and cling to them and turn away from the evil and the sin and the temptation that wants to bring us and drag us into hell and wants to torment us further in the night. And then when we do, we remember Christ. We remember Christ and his promises. And we see the light of Christ, the Prince of Peace, the joy that's within him and that should be within us because he lives in us. So as Christians, the nighttime of the soul will come and it will come several 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 times because that evil one that wicked one will strive to make you full of darkness he will strive to put dark on your light but through the commandments through the ten commandments through remembering the law of the lord there is a translucent way there is a way to be transformed to be translated into the kingdom and that is through the law because the law ultimately is by jesus christ and is fulfilled through christ jesus Now, for those who do not know Christ, I pray that this only leads you to understand the mystery of Christ, to only be intrigued and to show your attention towards Jesus, because he's the light. It's easy to fall into darkness. As humans, we have a darkness to us because we're we're fallen, we're sinful. We want to cling to the things that make us feel good, not the things that we should be doing. So it's very easy, it's very simple to fall into the guise and the beguilement of Satan. It's all around us. It's in our culture. It's in our society. It's in the things that we uh, breathe in and the things that we speak of and the things that we consume. It's a natural inclination to want to fall into pure darkness and to live there and to be there. Because once we're there, just like the wilderness of Lent, once we're there, we like to stay there. We enjoy it. We're comfortable. But Christ wants to take us out. He wants to transform you. He wants to create within you something that's new. He wants to give you a gift of himself. He wants to take you to new heights. And when you come out and emerge out of the darkness, just like Jesus emerged out of the tomb, there is pure immutable light. In other words, it's unchangeable light. And it will change you, but it can't be changed because it's truth. Christ is truth. He will never leave or nor forsake you, and he cannot change. So whatever he wants to do for you today, he will do for you tomorrow and the years and the ages to come. Christ is real. The light is real. And it can heal you. It could totally unbind you from the dark that surrounds you and give you nothing but grace and marvelous light. So step into it today, I pray, and let us go to the Lord. Father God, thank you for another day. Thank you for your grace and mercy that speaks through the word of God. Thank you for the truth, the justice, the peace. Father, I pray for those that know you. I pray that they would know you today, Lord. I pray you would invite them into a relationship with you, Jesus Christ. And I offer a separate prayer for them, God. I offer a prayer to lay down their lives before you, to be, to be sacrificial during Lent and even after this time, God, that they may know you as personal Lord and Savior. And Father God, I ask for them to pray along with me, if they, didn't, if they do not know Christ, that they may say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I confess my sins. Come into my heart. I want to make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my wrong. Let me obey you. Let me abide in you, God. Let me follow you all the days of my life. I want to be a son or a daughter of the Most High. I want to be a servant-driven person 
of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a disciple and an apostle, God. And I believe all that you have said and all that you would do, Lord, and I believe that you are. I invite you to come inside of me now, Lord. Live within me forever, that I may be a vessel of your mercy and love, and I may be a member of the body of Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. And we ask all these things, Lord Jesus, that we present to you today, Father, this message, this sermon, and all these things that we think of and are upon our hearts, God, even our unspoken intentions and requests, Father. We lay them on your altar, and we ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.